Pregnancy is an exciting time for moms and dads to be, but during COVID-19, there are legitimate questions and concerns. Here to help answer those questions today is Dr. Emily Lasota, board-certified OBGYN on the medical staff at Southwest General Health Center. This is Southwest General Health Talk. I'm Scott Webb. So Dr. Lasota, thanks so much for joining me today. How does COVID-19 affect women who are pregnant and are pregnant women at higher risk for complications? As we know with this virus, data is emerging every day that is showing us new things that we didn't know the day before. From our current data, what we believe happens is in pregnant women, outcomes are very similar to that of outcomes in non-pregnant patients. There was a case series uh, out of New York City that was published toward the end of April. Uh, New York obviously had a high number of cases and had a lot of data to pull from. From their case series, they found that uh, pregnant women had no higher risk of complications than non-pregnant patients. Most were asymptomatic, and of course, there was a small percentage who required hospitalization, and then an even smaller percentage who required critical care. But so far, from what we know, uh, pregnant women experience very similar symptoms compared to the non-pregnant population. And that's good to know. And, and that's not true of other things like the flu. I believe I've heard that pregnant women are at a higher risk for certain things like the flu, which is now you know, different from COVID-19? You're completely correct. So we're very cautious when a pregnant woman gets the flu because they are at extremely high risk for complications, including pneumonia and hospitalization. Uh, So we initially thought that COVID would act in a similar fashion, but data thus far has not shown that. So when we talk about the risks for fetuses during pregnancy, what are the risks, if any, and are there different risks, you know, let's say for the baby after delivery? So our data in terms of the risks to the fetus are a little bit less known at this point. So because this is such a new virus, we haven't had a lot of women experience the virus during their first and second trimesters and then go on to deliver babies yet. So while we've had women contracted in their first and second trimesters, they're still pregnant. Um, So we cannot definitively say based on a set of data that this virus does not cause birth defects. Uh, There are many different viral infections that a woman who is pregnant can contract. Some of those viruses have no known consequences on the baby. There are other viruses that can cause a wide range of birth defects. So at this point, we don't really have the ability to say it is safe to get the virus in pregnancy or it could cause problems with the fetus. We do know that infections in general that cause a high fever can be a risk factor for preterm labor and subsequently preterm delivery. Very early delivery, uh, especially prior to 34 weeks, could require the baby to stay in the NICU for an extended period of time. Uh, So if a mother has symptoms of COVID, uh, including a very high fever, we would exercise caution with that patient. So other than washing our hands, what precautions, you know, should patients take to minimize the risk to mom and baby? So pregnant women should practice social distancing and hand washing, as everyone in society is encouraged to do. Uh, Pregnant women often ask if they are working, should they continue going to their job or should they take leave from their job uh, until after delivery? I think this is a discussion to have um, with the individual provider and the individual patient, uh, taking into account the risk factors of the job. Some jobs are higher risk for contracting COVID, such as uh, healthcare workers, uh, jobs that cannot uh, allow for social distancing. Every employer should be able to provide safe conditions possible, including social distancing, allowing Uh, patients to wear masks, encouraging uh, all employees, patients to wear masks, 
if a patient feels unsafe going to work, if they desire to be off of work, again, that's a discussion to have with the provider and then an agreement uh, to be made with the employer. Pregnant women should minimize trips out of the house. They should uh, use delivery services, curbside pickup services as much as possible. It's very important also that other members of the household practice the same precautions that I'm recommending. Um, so a patient's partner or children can bring the virus home. So they should also wear masks, wash hands, uh, do social distancing. Complete social isolation is recommended by many physicians starting at 37 weeks of pregnancy or two weeks prior to scheduled delivery. This could minimize the chance of having COVID at time of delivery. Um, obviously, with pushing or labor, maximal uh, respiratory effort is required. So if there were any respiratory complications of COVID, it would make the pushing, um, breathing very difficult. So that's one difference between pregnant women and non-pregnant women is we want them to do complete social isolation around 37 weeks. You know, telehealth has been sort of inching along for a while now in healthcare, and I think a lot of what's held it up, of course, has been insurance companies and their uh, unwillingness to pay. But under the current guidelines and current circumstances, it seems like telehealth, telemedicine is really catching on. And maybe that's one of the good things that can come out of this is that, you know, the entire system will start to embrace it. But is it appropriate for pregnancy? So telehealth can definitely be incorporated into pregnancy when done at the right frequency and with the right patients. So telehealth is great for discussing symptoms and going over medications, just mostly for discussion. There are some things in pregnancy, uh, however, that cannot be assessed via a telehealth visit. So as most pregnant women will know, every time uh, they come into the office, we have them leave a urine sample so that we can do a urine dipstick to assess for signs of infection, protein, or glucose. We get their blood pressure. We get the baby's heart rate. Um, I measure the fundal height, which is to the top of the uterus, to make sure the baby is growing appropriately. And then, of course, we discuss symptoms. I ordered lab tests as necessary. Some of those things do require an in-person visit. Um, however, in a patient who is low risk for complications, I encourage telehealth visits, and it makes it even better if a patient can provide some of that information over the phone. So if a patient has a fetal Doppler at home, they can get the baby's heart rate and tell us what it is. If they have a blood pressure cuff at home, they can take their blood pressure, tell me what it is. If they have a scale, they can weigh themselves and convey that information. And if they have urine test strips, which can be bought online, they could dip their own urine and tell us what it shows. Again, none of these are absolutely necessary, but it can aid us in perhaps doing every other visit virtually compared to an in-person visit, um, which would reduce their risk of contracting COVID and uh, make us all safer. Now, for telehealth, sometimes that is not appropriate for a patient who has a history of problems with their blood pressure or problems with baby's growth. This is a case-by-case -case basis, but it's definitely an option for the right patient. Yeah, no one size fits all here. Good to know that you're open to it. And and I've had a telehealth video visit with my doc recently, and there she was on my phone. I could see her, and she could see me, and it was just the coolest thing. It's like, why do I have to drive over there, put it, you know, with the mask and all of that? Well, I could just sit here in my family room and talk to my doctor. Like it was really cool. So glad to know that you're open to that. At least every other visit or however it you know, would work for. For patients. So I want to circle back around. You had mentioned labor and the delivery experience. Is that going to be any different during the age of COVID-19? So a lot of people do ask me, um, how is having a baby at Southwest General going to be? So a lot of people picture their family in the delivery room, 
you know, their parents, their in-laws, their partner, their support person, a doula, many people in the delivery room. No one really pictures having a baby with masks on and, you know, in the age of COVID. Well, what we're trying to balance at Southwest General is letting women have a nice, calm, uh, relaxing, as much as possible delivery experience with one support person and us doing it in a safe environment. So as to keep the mom safe and the baby safe, as well as the staff at our hospital. So currently at Southwest General, we are allowing one support person in the room at time of delivery. That can be a partner, a boyfriend, a husband, a mom, a doula, um, whoever a person wants in, in the delivery room. And yes, they can cut the cord. So there will be someone there with them. In terms of other visitors, we are not allowing any uh, other visitors to visit the mom or the baby after delivery. So that one support person will be the support person that remains with mom during her postpartum course. Unless a patient has complications, um, we are encouraging and allowing moms who deliver vaginally to be discharged after about 24 hours uh, from delivery and with a C-section about 48 hours after delivery. Previously, most moms would stay two nights after vaginal and three nights after a C-section. We'll keep moms as long as we need to, as is medically indicated, but if they want to go home to increase their chance of contracting COVID-19, we encourage that. All patients and visitors are expected to wear a mask uh, upon entering the hospital. Obviously, during labor, moms will have to drink as they get out of breath. When experiencing contractions and pushing, they will be breathing hard, so masks can be removed at these times. All staff in the delivery room and nursery are wearing masks at all times, so that is to keep you, the patient, safe. I think it may seem weird to have people in your delivery room and the doctor who delivers your baby and never see their face, but it's all in the name of safety uh, for uh, patients and babies. So that is what to expect. Just know that we want to send you home and we want mom and baby to be as safe and healthy as possible. That's great to know that you're allowing at least one person in there. I mean, I can't imagine if I hadn't been in the room with my wife when my kids were born and been able to cut the cord. And so great to know that during this special time that they can at least have, you know, one person there, even though it's going to be the same person throughout. As you say, they may only be there a day or two at the most, unless otherwise medically indicated. So as we get close to wrapping up here, how is breastfeeding, if at all, affected by COVID-19? So a lot of moms are worried that if they would test positive for COVID-19, they would be separated from their baby, not be able to breastfeed, um, and they would lose that bonding experience. As of now, um, we are not recommending that moms who want to breastfeed be completely separated from their baby and not be able to do that. Breastfeeding is an amazing experience for a mom to be able to bond with her child if she wishes, and it also provides many benefits. So as of now, if a mom tests positive for COVID and wants to breastfeed, we encourage that. It can be made as safe as possible if the mother wears a mask during breastfeeding and practices good hand hygiene prior to each feed. That includes washing the hands and even washing the breasts prior to having the baby breastfeed. Antibodies uh, to many diseases are known to pass through breast milk. So theoretically, if a mother is infected with COVID, perhaps she can provide antibodies to COVID to her baby through the breast milk, which may provide some passive immunity to the virus. So that is a good point. That said, sending a mom home with a baby who, you know, the mom has COVID, it's very difficult to prevent transmission to a baby when this virus is so contagious. I think uh, that is up to the parents how much they want to socially isolate their baby uh, from the mother. As of now, 
We don't have a lot of data on babies who contract COVID. From what we know, children in general are doing very well. But of course, we're hearing stories of babies who contract it that do end up in the hospital. So again, as data emerge on this, our recommendations may change. But as of now, if a mom wants to breastfeed and has COVID, we will allow and encourage it with precautions. So uh, lastly here, Dr. Lesota, what else can we tell people? Anything that we left out today? So because this virus is so new, there is a lot that we know, but a lot that we don't know. And us at Southwest General and your doctor team are constantly uh, reading, asking questions, and trying to figure out what we can do to keep uh, our patients, our moms-to-be, and babies as safe as possible. So while this virus and this quarantine are not great times in our lives, don't let it overshadow the magical time that is pregnancy uh, and delivery because that is one of the best times in most people's lives. Um, And it is a bright spot during this time. So it's something to look forward to. And it's something that hopefully we can do without any complications, keeping you as safe as possible, sending you home healthy, and we can get everyone through this together. That is a great way to end. And I couldn't agree more that um, this is like the most special time, you know, for people, for moms and dads to be. And COVID-19 is so confusing and there's so much we don't know, but be as safe as you can, do all the right things, but in the end, enjoy your baby, right? And it sounds like you all are just really on your game there and ready, willing, and able to help moms and dads to be. So Dr. Lasota, thank you so much for being on today. To learn more about Southwest General's maternity services, visit swgeneral.com. And we hope you found this podcast to be helpful and informative. Please share it on your social channels and check out the full podcast library for topics of interest to you. This is Southwest General Health Talk. I'm Scott Webb. Stay well.